Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. Brother David? Yes, John. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also.
Appreciate you guys being there tonight in the chat room and appreciate the ones that's going to download as well. How you doing, Brother David? I'm doing excellent, Pastor Don. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, folks, tonight we're going to deal with some topics in the book of Revelation when I get through with what I'm fixing to uh, talk about. Okay? I got a personal email today. I'm not going to call any name whatsoever. I don't want to embarrass the person. But you will know who it is, emailer, when I start talking about what I'm talking about. So this is for you. The next few minutes are for you, specifically for you. Brother David, before I start talking, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16, brother, okay? Okay. When we go through, a lot of times whenever um, we get over a barrel in life, and we, especially when a person's under conviction of the Holy Spirit, you get to a point where you don't know which way to turn. And if the Spirit of God is dealing with you, He's going to call you. That's the Father's call in a person's life. The Father does the calling. Christ does the saving. And if Christ saves you, he will in no wise cast you out. But worrying about what you, um, things that happened in your father's life, brother, my father was the same way. My father was an alcoholic as well. It caused trouble in my family. I, everything that you wrote, I understood and went through it myself. There was not a professing Christian in my family. We were drug up, basically, as far as as far as normalcy goes. We were drug up instead of raised. Had a mother that was an alcoholic as well. So what you talked to me today about, I understand. The other problem is immaterial that you talked about, your personal problem. Your main, this, the, the, your main thing you should be concerned about is what you originally wrote about, and that's your salvation. Listening to this program, a lot of times you hear a lot of um, sounds like strange stuff. What it is, it's very deep doctrine. A lot of stuff is. But when it comes to salvation, the Father made it so plain that only an, only a moron could miss it. It's not one. It's not in. There's no. It's not an ambiguous verses. There's not ambiguous verses that deal with it. It's men that make it ambiguous by trying to interpret a clear verse, by trying to interpret an unclear verse in the light of a clear verse. Well, what I'm going to do tonight, brother, 
is show you, plain and simple, coming out of another man's mouth, the same question that you asked me. And if you'll follow exactly what the scriptures say, you'll have no problem. But understand this. Somebody will mention, oh, faith, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Yes, that's part of salvation. Faith is believing in something you don't see. You don't see Jesus Christ. All you have to go by is the Word of God and what the Word of God says. It's a, and as far as worrying about your past sins or what you might or might not do after you're saved, don't even give it a second thought. You have to deal with the problem at hand. And you know that, or you wouldn't be asking the questions. And the Spirit of God is all over it because it takes a man or a woman that the Spirit of God's on and dealing with to come forth with that kind of stuff, especially like that email was today, brother. So let's let's find out what a uh, a person in the Bible did. And exactly kind of the same situation. In Acts chapter 16, Brother David, if you would, yes. start reading in verse 29 and read through verse 33. Okay. okay. And read it slow yes. so it can be understood. There is no ambiguities here whatsoever, okay? Go Acts ahead. 16, verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want you to read that again. And brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you get any, is there any ambiguity in what the question was at all? I don't see any there at all. There there is none whatsoever. What must I do to be saved? Let's see what happens. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Okay. Faith cometh by hearing, brother, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God instills that faith. It has to be faith in what God said. The gospel was preached that um, there's no doubt that's what Paul and Silas were explaining to him in his house. But you notice the word of God was spoken first. All right? But they, he asked them, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He didn't ask, well, what am I going to do about all the stuff that I did or this habits that I have or the problems I have. No, you take care of this. Once the Spirit of God dwells within you, then you start working on those problems. But anyway, that was a direct question asked by a Philippian jailer. You notice Paul did not ask him if he had his latest DNA test. You notice Paul did not ask him... uh, any kind of crazy questions about what his family roots were. There's no 
ambiguities to that whatsoever. This is not the only case, by the way. But this is one of the clearest because of the question asked. So Paul preached the gospel. So, Brother David, turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll see what believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is all about, the gospel message of today. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Brother David. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Stop right there. If, Stop right there. Stop right there. You see there, brother? That's the, that, those, you see the, the progression there. It was preached unto them, they received it, and therefore they're saved. Okay? Just like Paul said, Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's so simple that a fool can get it. And people just, today, in today's world, you got everybody trying to make it too easy, or uh, it's this, that, and the other. All the churches make a mockery of it with this easy believism and stuff. But the reason that it looks like it looks today is because I'd, I'd say more than 90% of the people that profess Christianity wouldn't know a real Christian if they met them on the street. Just saying, I believe in Jesus is not what it's all about. It's having faith in what God said about the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. That's what the gospel is. Read it again, Brother David, and then continue on. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. You see, even, even the Apostle Paul received the message of the gospel. Go ahead, brother. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Okay. Brother, that's what you have to trust, is that his righteousness saves you. Nothing that you do, nothing you will do, nothing you have done in the past can keep that away from you, can keep the salvation that's promised unto you. Nothing. You don't have to worry about, will the Lord receive you? He already promises that he will. Turn to John 6, brother, and read verse 7. Okay. This is Jesus Christ speaking. John 6, verse 7. Philip answered him, 
two hundred penny worth of bread. That's not, not John. Is that John chapter six, verse seven? Yes. God, yes, excuse it is. me, thirty-seven, brother. I apologize. Ah, yes, okay. No problem. No apology necessary. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Brother, you have received the call of the Father, and you have come. Okay? You by oh, by your own confession from your own mouth, brother. And you're concerned. Paul deals with this again in Romans chapter ten. Turn to Romans chapter ten, brother. Certainly. And I'll have you start reading in verse eight. It's by while Brother David turns there, I will quote another verse in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Father's call gives you the faith to believe. The confession with the mouth that you need salvation is the pure evidence of the call of the Spirit of God and the Holy the Holy Spirit in your life dealing with you. Paul, in the first part of Romans 10, is talking about the Judeans that were trusting in the law of Moses and their own righteousness trusting in the law for, to gain their, them righteousness. And he plainly tells them in the first few verses of Romans chapter 10 that there is no righteousness in the law. But the righteousness that has to be received is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, as it go, and, it's, and it's by faith. Paul says it's by faith. He even says, you're not don't say who's gonna go to heaven or who's going to ascend or who's going to descend. Don't don't get into all that junk. But the word is nigh thee, brother David's fishing to read it. The word of faith which we preach, it's right in your mouth, brother. And it's a personal thing that you do between you and God. Brother David, start reading at verse eight and read through to verse thirteen. Romans ten eight. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Okay, that's I started off showing you the word of faith that he preached, and how faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Go ahead, Brother David. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
There's your answer, brother. Doesn't make there's no special way, there's no special time, but the time is now as far as that goes. Because the confession with the mouth of the need for salvation is done been made. Under the Father, I have no problem saying what I'm saying. After reading the email, I have no problem saying that. After you do what you have to believe by faith that this book's telling you the truth, and you believe it in your heart, and you that's what you're holding on to. It's what's written down in a book, and believing what took place 2,000 years ago, that an Israelite hung on a tree, shed all of his blood, got thrown in a hole, and the third day he came out, and he's your Lord. I, I'm, I'm getting it down waist high where you can get it, brother. That's the reason I'm speaking so vulgar about it, okay? And I speak reverently, Lord. But that's exactly what it amounts to. It's silly. The, the world thinks it's foolishness. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's how simple it is. Christ said it's like a childlike faith. You, can, you ask the Lord to save you, he will save you. Whosoever cometh unto him, he will in no wise cast out. Get up, you do that, you get up, and from this moment forward, you hear this, you walk by faith. Those problems that were discussed in your life, some of them may go away immediately. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things are become new. But that, that doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless. Nobody is sinless. The spiritual man will be sinless. He is saved and sealed to the day of redemption. But those old sins that you carried over from your, from your past life before you trust Christ, you may have problems with them. But by prayer and by staying in God's word, they will eventually wear down, and go away. And those fears that you have will be abated. But you must feed the spiritual man. That is a necessity. That is a necessity. You remember how much of a blessing it was to spend those time with your dad when he finally got saved? Remember what a blessing that was? I went through that same kind of blessing with my dad. He was in the hospital. I got to lead him to Christ. And I got to spend. So I know exactly what you're talking about. My dad was, was, shook some of his old stuff, but every now and then he had stumbled. He didn't live but two or three more years. Okay? And some of the things that are in your life, you'll never get complete victory over all of them until you get your new body. And the reason for that is sin remains in this mortal flesh body till it goes back to the dirt. That is the reason and the need for the new birth. And the new birth has nothing to do with the flesh that you can reach down and touch. It has everything to do with the inward man and the new man, the new creature in Christ, which the Holy Spirit, on, at the moment you trust Christ, 
in your heart for that salvation, the Spirit of God comes in and completely cuts that inward man away from the old man. That's the reason I talk about Romans 7 all the time. And I'm not going to get deep into the doctrine right now. I'm just telling you, you do that, then we'll discuss that other stuff. Personally, between you and me. And we'll deal, deal, I'll help you any way I can on a personal level with some of those battles. And you are in my prayers all the time. And I'm sure if there's anybody in this chat room right here that means business with the Father, you will be in their prayers as well. Amen, Brother David. Amen. Amen, Brother Kevin. Amen. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure the chat room will agree with that as well. So keep the emails coming. Keep you in prayer. Let me know. Tell somebody. Tell somebody what you did. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but at the same time shall not be ashamed. So don't be ashamed of him at all. Let somebody know. Tell somebody. Put yourself on the spot to give you a little extra option to continue the walk. And you're in the, you're in my prayers. Keep the emails coming, brother. Okay. That's um if you got anything you want to add to that, brother David, while I quickly run to the restroom, I'll be back shortly if you want to add anything to what I just got through saying. Just don't get deep, keep it simple, okay? Mm-hmm. Certainly. Be right back. Yeah, it's 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 very simple. It's very easy. The initial walk with the Lord, he, he goes out of his way to make things clear to us. And the only thing that's required of us is his sincere heart to call on him. He does the rest. Romans 10:14. I'll continue just reading a few verses. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So, you know, it's simple. That's why it's so necessary to have a preacher. The preacher is going to share the word to you. And he'll do it in a unique way. Usually does it uniquely on an individual basis because the Holy Spirit deals with people in a personal way. So I believe God's touched your heart tonight with these scriptures. I believe that you know what he's saying. And, you know, we've all gone through many trials and tribulations. I mean, the Lord Jesus promised that. In this world, we shall have tribulation. So if you expect to be saved and everything all of a sudden to turn around you know, a 180 and you're going to be a total saint and the world's going to be bright and sunny and not a cloud in the sky and riches and glory are going to be yours every day and everyone you meet's going to smile at you and say, how are you doing? Uh, it's not that way, but some days. But generally speaking, with the Lord, no matter what you go through, you can have a smile on your lips. If not on your lips, at least in your heart. Okay, I'm back, brother. Amen. All right. Well, folks, like I said, we're going to deal with some topics in the book of Revelation. So 
Got to turn there, Brother David, Revelation turn. chapter 1. And while Brother okay. David's turning there, I will um, make some comments about this book. Number one, the book of Revelation is the most controversial book in all the Word of God. It was the most debated book when it come to canonization. That there, of all the books, it was the most debated whether to put it in the canon or not. I mean, hotly debated. It has been, it has been the the foundation of more heresy, probably in the in the body of believers than any other book in the Bible. It contains. It, the, the book of Revelation contains scripture. I've mentioned to you before, 95% of it is either, either direct scripture or direct wordedly different verses throughout the rest of the Bible. It's one of the greatest masterpieces as far as a piece of literature, how it was put together. You can see the hand of the Father all over it. One bad misconception is it's the, revela- it's the revelation of St. John the Divine. It couldn't be further from the truth. It is the revelation of your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. John, the Apostle John, just happened to be chosen to be able to pin it down. So anybody says it's the revelation of John, no, it's not. It plainly tells you in the very, right there in the very first. That that's not what it is. Okay, you heard me mention last night about certain scriptures that come out of the book of Revelation that has to be reconciled with the rest of the Word of God. That's where the false doctrine comes from. This book has been allegorized to the point of absurdity by the people that absolutely put their soul on allegory, okay? Taking it literal, it was taboo after the 4th century. Augustine, what was it, Origen? Origen wrote a book on, on the book of Revelation called The City of God, and you're talking about allegory. It was everything, every, every way was allegory. They couldn't see it that way. The first couple of cent, the first before the 3rd century, the church fathers, the ones you should pay attention to, the closest ones to the resurrection, took it absolutely literally. So, must be something there. Must be something maybe in between. Or how about both? See. How about some of it's allegory, but yet it's literal as well, see? We've discussed some of those verses before or some of the way the Scripture's written before. Because the Lord starts right off telling you that it's about the past, present, and future. He's going to tell you that. It's about the past, present, and future. So if it's about the past, present, and future, it's also about doctrine, practical doctrine, spiritualizing, spiritualizing some of the verses, which means it can apply to anybody at any certain time. It'll have historical implications. It'll cover the whole gamut, and it does. 
but everybody wants to take sides. Your prayers, it's all past. Your semi, you know, your partial prayers, well, most of it's past, but this part's literal. Then your 100% ultra futures, every bit of it's in the future, see? And it just causes strife. Everybody loves it because it's mysterious. The first, it's the, I hate to say this, but it's even true with me. That's the first book I ever read in the Word of God. And it is with a lot, with a lot of, with a lot of Christians. They'll turn, they'll turn to the toughest book and read it first. And that's exactly what I did myself. <laughs> I remember at one time in my Christian life where I thought I had it down pat. I thought, I've got it figured out. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a bunch of them out there, and they're just like I was dumbasses, okay? And I speak reverently. A dumb jackass, that's what I was. And they are as well. Because ain't nobody, ain't nobody got this book down pat. I've heard, I've heard it from every direction, every way, every interpretation you could possibly imagine. And they absolutely think they're right. And then something will come up and, well, well I must have been wrong. Yeah. Lord, he's a character, you know. It's written in a way to where the Lord can do anything he wants to do, and every bit of it will come to pass right on time. See, that's the kicker. That's the father for you. That's the way it's written. So we're going to deal with a few of the topics in here, and I'm gonna, and it's the only book in the canon where you're promised to be blessed if you read it. So if you wanted a blessing every day, you could read it every day. And and if you believe the book and you believe the Lord, then he'll give you a special blessing. You're promised a blessing by reading this book. It's the only book in the Bible that you're promised a blessing by. It's the book that tells you about curse curse for messing with it. You get a blessing if you believe if you read it, you're cursed if you mess with the words in it. And then people they 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 spend all a lot of the so called scholars and, and expositors spend all day long trying to screw with the words and move them around. See it, it and it's all gonna boil back down to just what I said last night and have been saying for three. It's gonna boil down to absolute authority. That's been folks, listen. I know you get tired of hearing me talk about it, but see, I know where you go and spend some of your time. I know you listen to folks that don't no more believe that this book's the final authority than they believe the, that um, the sky is falling. Okay? And, uh, why would you even spend time with somebody like that? I don't get it. it you know, I, I just don't understand. Because then, then it winds up right back, like I've told you before, winds up to opinion. And there's something we've all got, one of those, right? Don't mean nothing. There has to be an absolute authority or either the father lied. Now, that's just the way it is. He promised he had preserved it, and now he either did or he didn't. And you either got it or you don't. See what faith is? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's why we went through that truth and knowledge the other day as hard as we did. 
and I brought some of these subjects up then as well. So, Brother David, just on on the first hook, just read the first chapter. It's not long, and, and um, I may stop you, and then again, I may not. But just the first chapter is loaded. But I want you folks to notice one thing as Brother David starts reading down through here. It's been mis- misunderstood by practically everybody. The message is not to individuals. Bet you never thought about that, did you? The message is not to individuals. The message sent is not to the individuals. It's sent to the angel that takes is over of the group, over the body of Christ for that period. That's who the message is sent to. If you don't understand the divine counsel, both good and evil, then you don't understand what the Lord's saying here. Expositors have missed it for years and years and years. So you have to watch the words. Brother David, go ahead and get started, brother. Revelations chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I say the time is, and all of your praetorists love to jump on this big time and say, see, it happened back then. The time is at hand. You know the Lord don't lie. See, I can make, you want me to act like a praetor? I can make a case for their case. You know, I told you all back, you probably done forgot it. I thought about making, just come in here and make the case for some of the false teachers out there. I know how to make their case for them better than they know how their self and use the word of God to do it, see. I can make the historicist case for them. And be convincing. I can make the praetorist case and absolutely come across as one that's tell absolutely this has got to be the way it is. But I also know where they mess up at. And I know what shoots their doctrine down. But you can't know that unless you know the book. And you can't know that without rightly dividing the book. And that's why it is so important to rightly divide the word of truth. If it's not rightly divided, you've got what you've got today, amalgamation of confusion. And we'll deal with that word confusion in a little while because that's what that's what this whole last generation is all about, is confusion. It's run by a system that's name means confusion. Babylon. The word means confusion. And that's all that's going on today is confusion in the body of Christ, confusion outside the body of Christ. 
but we'll deal with that a little bit later. Continue on, brother. Yes, uh, for the time is at hand, and it did start back then, but it's been marching on ever since, even unto this day and even into the future. This prophecy is marching on. Well, see, brother, the the deal is Christ is fixing to answer that the very question. It's it's for past, present, and future. See, Amen. See, that's the that's the kicker, and that's where I they see. missed the boat. Go ahead, brother. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Past, present, future. Go ahead. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Oh, that's and deep in there. There's our seven spirits. I don't know if anybody took the time to go back and find where we dealt with all those spirits or or where I mentioned a bunch of them. There's all kind of spirits, folks. But these are the seven spirits of God right here. And this is John talking here. The Lord hadn't opened his mouth yet, okay? This is John talking about to the churches. The Lord, when the Lord kicks it in gear, watch the change. Watch how he changes who he directs his message to. Don't forget that. Okay? Continue on, Brother David. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. The prince of the kings of the earth? What kings? <laughs> What kings do you think he's the prince of Obama? Reckon? He's an underling. <laughs> Amen. The divine counsel. That's right, brother. That's exactly correct. It's the same. It's, it's exactly what you run into in Daniel. It's exactly Michael fighting with the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia. And then prince of Grecia is 200, it's 200 years before the prince of Grecia shows up showing you how absolutely absurd it is to come up with this idea that you thought you might think that you've got it all down pat. Two hundred years before Prince of Greece Alexander the Great pops on the scene while Michael's fighting with the Prince of Grecia and Persia to get something to take place down here on this earth on the other side of the veil in the in the here and now. Go ahead, Brother David. And the Prince of the Kings of the Earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And made us kings and priests. Hey, how y'all doing in your priesthood? Any, any of y'all got any, any you kings got any gold uh, stashed away? You can loan me some of your gold, huh? See how John talks here? It's as good as done. It's as good as done. You can spiritualize it now. Oh, I've heard them do this. You can make spiritual application and say, well, this is the priesthood of your family and your king over your house. Say, I've heard it done that way. But he's speaking like it's as good as done because it is. Because it is as good as done. Everything's done took care of on the other side of the veil. But we're going through it all. I, I, I dealt with it too long last night. Okay, so I'm not going to try not to hit it again tonight. So go ahead, Brother David. Verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, 
and every eye shall see him, and they also will which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Everyone, every eye shall see him, okay? And the ones that pierced him. Now, there's there's a problem here, isn't there? See? <clears throat> there's a preterist verse again right there, see? They'll tell you that he came back in 70 A.D. and come up with this. I've done told you about how to come up with these lies. And they justify it. Well, see, they, they'll go to this verse and say, them that pierced him. The progeny of the ones that pierced him will see him. It could mean either one. But it sure didn't happen in 70 A.D. It sure didn't happen then, no matter how much of a case they try to make. It's interesting reading. I'll, I'll grant you that, but that's as far as it goes. Continue on, Brother David. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, Three, the Almighty. Amen. There's another time. He, he, You see, he's going to emphasize past, present, and future over and over and over again, folks. He's going to emphasize it, so you better take heed. When the Lord says something over and over again, he's trying to get a point across. He's setting, he's setting this thing up. The Holy Spirit's setting it up for the way you have to look at this book. Past, present, future. Doctrinally, spiritually, historically. That's the way you're going to have to look at it. It will never make any sense to you. Never will. And another thing that's going to pop up, he's going to emphasize, was dead, was alive, was dead, and I'm alive again. In other words, three parts. One, two, three. Just like past, present, future. Was alive, am dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. One, two, three. He's going to deal with the, the beast which was, is not, and shall be. Another three parts. It's going to mention it more than one. That means it's important. That means you've got to search the scriptures out to find out who can fit the bills. Who can fit those bills what the Lord's trying to put across? Past, present, future, alive, dead, alive again. That's not only for the Lord, but also for the one that's going to imposter the Lord at the end, those are points that you should write down when you're right before you start studying or even attempt to think that you know what this book's talking about. Continue on, Brother David. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You can rest assured that this tribulation, John's in. See, John's a type of the church, folks. He's a type of the body of Christ. Remember, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved? Well, you can rest assured that what goes around is going to come back around. I'm not going to get into all that again back in the book of Ecclesiastes. But it's going to happen. And see, all your uh, the praetorist expositors try to make all that take place in the past. Your semi-praetorist try to make it, they'll bring it up until up until the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. Didn't that stop it there? 
They don't bring it all the way to the end, which it has to be done because it's start. If John says he's in tribulation at the very first of the book, so you can rest assured that some of the body is going to be in tribulation at the very end. It don't take a genius to get this. Continue on, brother. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Okay, sounds like these churches is getting the message, doesn't it? Sure sounds like it. Continue on, brother. Verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Ah, seven golden candlesticks, seven spirits of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Continue on, brother. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Oh, we already know from the other night what that that sword, two-edged sword going out of his mouth is, <laughs> and what he is called. We went through that with Truth and Knowledge series. Go ahead. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That's three-part series. That three-part unction again. If you hadn't got it by now, you ain't going to get it. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the book of Daniel. The book, see, I'm already trying to get into teaching this whole thing, and I'm not ready to do that yet. But Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand, folks. All right? You remember how Daniel was smitten, and the angel had to touch him to, for him to revive how he had to, he, was, he didn't have any strength at all. And so the angel touched him and revived him. I don't know if your memory memory's that good. hope it is because of everything I've talked has been in vain. If you don't remember that stuff, we've been over it ad nauseum. But anyway, the same thing happened here. It's just an example of the way this thing works on the other side of the veil. You know, human flesh can only take so much without the help of the Lord. That's the reason we have to have new bodies. That's the reason we have to be our architecture. I, I love that word, but I know nobody knows what I'm talking about when I say it. The new body, we have to turn, put on an orchiterion, put off this flesh, and put on that new flesh, okay? That new supernatural flesh. 
what the angels put off, we're going to put on. And I've, I've showed you that before ad nauseum, okay, from Jude and Second Corinthians 5. Continue on, Brother David. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Right. So, thanks, so the Pope ain't got him, does he, David? <laughs> no, he likes to think so. He likes to brag. He's standing in place of Christ. You know, Christ isn't any longer needed, of course, because so, we have the Pope, and now, you know, he has the keys, so he likes oh. to show big pictures of them. That's the reason he wears that Dagon fish hat on his head that says vicarious Philly D on it, which means substitute son of God. That's yeah. exactly what it means, folks. Latin. Go ahead, brother. And the only keys he's got are big pictures of them. That's all. <laughs> Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Again, three parts. Three parts. People, all you pay, all the spot. Well, I got to figure that out. All I got to do now is put them in the right place. Is that right? Is that you think that's easy? <laughs> you think that's easy? It's not so easy. Continue on, brother. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Wow. So now we know that the candlesticks represent different assembly, different generations of the body of Christ. That You're going to see that. And this stretches out. These were originally, historically, churches in Asia Minor. But they also represent the history of the Christian church. They also represent local assemblies and body of believers during the time period of Jacob's trouble. Three different representations. Past, present, future. It's what the Lord been trying to get across in the very first chapter. When he deals with these, when he when he starts dealing giving the message to the angel that's over these church Folks, say some stuff here to blow your mind, and we're fixing to hit a little bit of it. I don't I keep talking about because I'm getting excited. Okay? Because there's some of this stuff, I don't have a clue. And you ain't going to have a clue either. And it ain't nobody else got a clue either. Because there ain't never been two or three witnesses in the Spirit of God back it up and it come to fruition. And it's been, anyway. Continue on, brother. Read that verse again. And read verse 20 one more time. Okay. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. All right. The and angels, number one, you're going, he's going to be, we're going to be dealing with the angels of the seven churches. And I think this is where people get that thing, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen deal, because he's got them in his right hand. And these candlesticks are going to represent, like I said, the local assemblies, but not only from Asia Minor, past, Middle Ages, 
and the future, and right now, today, and however long the Lord carries in the future. That's the reason you can't pin it down, because it covers when it's when it covers the future, the future can go on and on and on. It's up to the Lord when that time ends. And during those periods of time, things can be happening that looks like that is fulfillment of prophecy, and it possibly can be, but yet it can be fulfilled again. See, that's where they drop the ball. They don't understand dual fulfillment and possibly triple fulfillment of prophecy. Or either they only use it where it suits them, where it fits their so-called doctrine that they're trying to push. That's what you have to keep in mind when you deal with this book. It is it is loaded. And then and you'll start seeing stuff out of Isaiah, stuff out of Jeremiah, stuff out of Daniel. And and it stuff well, I know that happened it's such and such. That happened in eighteen hundred. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And maybe that was the complete fulfillment of it. Then again. Maybe it was a partial fulfillment. That's why it's tough, folks. It's tough. Let's get into the churches now, Brother David. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. There you go. It's going to be seven churches. So seven churches in the past, present, and future. And uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. These are all the words of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Speaking. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Okay, okay, stop right there. Unto the angel. And see, immediately you have the Bible, the people that mess around with the world. Well, see, that's just messenger. That's just, that's just the Lord talking to a person. They immediately start screwing with words because they don't understand the divine counsel. They don't understand Psalms 82. No, no, no. They try to make it human beings. Folks, you bunch in the chat room, I know where you've come from. I know who you've listened to. And if you hadn't figured it out by now, they are rooted and grounded in this world. Their doctrine is rooted and grounded in this world. Everything has to do with the earth that the worldly political system it's grounded in this world how many times do the one that died for you have to tell you you're not of this world how many times does he have to tell you to set your affections not on things down here how many times and you want to keep on listening to the same old crap or either that but this is where you want to be. And if this is where you want to be, voila, you have your opportunity. You need to think about that. Remember what Paul said. Keep in, keep it in memory that which I preached unto you, lest you have believed in vain. It didn't say anything about losing no salvation. Said you believed in vain. Continue on, Brother David. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that 
upholdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. This Nevertheless, is a fantastic... I'll stop right here, because I've went over this before, two or three times with this this church of Ephesus, because it was, it was a fantastic church. I mean, that the last farewell message Paul gave was to the Ephesian elders. We've went over this before in the book of Acts, chapter 20. Okay? When Paul's getting ready to go to Rome, he leaves, he, he gives the, the Ephesian elders final admonitions. You know what? I've got to give them kudos because at least they listened to every word he said. They did exactly what he told them to do. When you read the book of Ephesians, you can see some of the things. There's a heavenly book. It deals with heavenly things, not earthly things. It talks about stuff that, like I said, these people, they, don't you ever wonder why they don't deal with the epistles? I hear get, folks, listen to me. I get email after email after email bringing this point that I'm talking about right now. I know, that's the reason I know it's right. I know it's the truth. I hear over and over and over again how you couldn't find the Spirit of God moving in that bunch out there with a moving machine. Because they don't believe the book. They don't accept it as infallible. They do not take it as the absolute authority. And they don't even believe half the true doctrine that their brethren did in the first few centuries of the Christian church. Therefore, revelation is shut off even if they are true believers. And I hear it over and over and over again. This Ephesian church listened to Paul. They believed what he said, but they screwed up in one part. They did everything, went down the list, but they forgot to read the letter to the Corinthians. They forgot to read chapter 16 to, first Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, the screwed-up church. <laughs> the Ephesian church wasn't screwed up except in one point. And it, they just got too busy. They pulled a Martha. They got too cumbered about with business. They were obedient. They were a Martha church. They were washing dishes, taking care of the food, keeping the table. But they didn't take care of the merry part, see? who was sitting at the feet of Jesus, doing the proper thing, worshiping the Lord, loving the Lord, even though Martha was working her butt off for the Lord. Jesus told her Mary had done the best thing, and that was loving him. Same thing with the Ephesian church. They got cumbered about was it going to do them good works and praise the Lord they did and the Lord will they'll be rewarded for it. But the Lord jumps their case. And Brother David's fixing to read about it right now. Verse four. 
Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this pl- his place, except thou repent. Do you hear what the Lord just said? To a church as great and as obedient as the Ephesian church? It's in Ephesians where Paul tells you in the very first chapter that you're sealed, that you're absolutely sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. I mean, you want me to go on and on? Says it in the chapter four that you're sealed to the day of redemption. All those verses come out of the book of Ephesians. And look here what the Lord warns. But notice again, there's nothing here about anybody losing any kind of salvation, folks. It can't be done to a true believer, not to Ephesians. No, there's something else here. What does it mean? I'm not sure. I imagine it's got a lot to do with influence. Got a lot to do with light. See, like I quoted that scripture, Brother Kevin, before the program started, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And the candlestick represents the, the church. We're supposed to be a light to the world, folks. We're not supposed to be cooped up in a building somewhere, shining, till, sticking a candle in front of our brother and sister's face and then blowing the candle out and walking out the door and living like hell. That's what's going on. The Lord told us not to put our light under a bushel. Let your little light shine. You know that child song? The Lord rebukes them. Go ahead, Brother David. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The Nicolaitans. Folks, that word Nicolaitans means the clergy over the laity. That's what it means. It's just, it's, you may give you an example, the Catholic Church. The cardinals and the bishops and the, what they call the junk going on. All these Orthodox churches with their, their mirage of elders and all kind of positions over the peons. That's what Nicolaitanism is. It's 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 the it's one person above the other when we're all on a level plane, like I've told you all along, just different callings. Different responsibilities for the different callings. Certain parts of the cause, certain members of the body get different parts of their position treated a certain way. That's the way that what the Lord that's the way the Lord set it up. But not like this. This is laity over the chair. This is the, the Nicolaitans. They're browbeating. Okay? They're browbeating their members. And they and the Ephesian church hated that going on, and the Lord hates it too. Continue on, Brother David. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. My goodness. Do you think for one second that I can sit here and explain what he just said? Talking to the Ephesian church? 
eat of the tree of life. It says in Revelation 22:14, the ones that eat of that tree of life are the ones that do his commandments. Paul spends chapters and chapters and chapters saying commandments ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. There's a problem, see? How are you going to reconcile it? How are you going to reconcile it? How are you going to reconcile? I'll, I'll give you an example. Turn to turn to um, chapter 14, brother, and read verse 12. Okay. This is what I mean about pulling verses and using them to form your doctrine on and having a verse that absolutely contradicts it. Till you get them reconciled, you bunch of um, hirelings, you don't have any doctrine. You don't have any sound doctrine. As a matter of fact, you don't even know where the, you don't even know how to find it. It has to be reconciled because God cannot lie. And if you can't get it reconciled, then you better not run around getting a bunch of followers up and and pre and teaching some false junk. You will be held accountable for it. Read verse 12, read 14, 12, brother. Yes. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I go, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Okay, here is a group that keep the commandments of God. What commandment? The ten? Or how about all the New Testament commandments? Paul calls them commandments, okay? What about them admonitions? All the pray without ceasing, all those commandments in the New in the New Testament. When he tells you plainly in Corinthians that the, the letter was abolished. And it's written in our heart now. And he told you the position was the schoolmaster. And he also says that it never was any righteousness came by it anyway. It was a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. See? How do you reconcile that? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Turn to Titus chapter 3, brother. Certainly. Give you another example. See? And brother, the one, the, my email brother, don't let, don't let this, don't even pay no, just turn it off, okay? Don't listen to this because this is where everybody out there gets screwed up, okay? Now, you just worry about what we started the program off with. We'll deal with the rest later. Titus chapter 3, brother. 3? Okay. Chapter 3. Go down there to where Titus is, just start at verse 1. I think the verse I'm looking for is verse 5, but... Just start at verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, shewing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving, Divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Okay, now I want you to watch what happens here. Watch the wording close. But after that, the kindness 
and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. No works whatsoever, no commandment keeping whatsoever, period. Well, that's not true for this bunch over here. That's not true. Remember what Brother David read on and said, they do rest from their labors and their works do follow them. It's a different bunch of folks. It's a different bunch of folks. Continue reading there, brother. Yeah, he would obviously be talking about New uh, Testament principles and commandments such as love your brother, pray without ceasing, that type of thing, because, you know, not eating pork or selfish following you around isn't going to do you any good. Of course not. But I finished reading there in Titus 3 and watch it. Watch it. Not by the works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How did he do it? How did he do it, brother? His mercy. No, by, you're fixing to read it. He's going to tell you. Yes. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Bingo. That's what, that's what takes place with a new birth. The regeneration. It's a regenerated inside person, sealed off from the outside person. Folks, listen, there is no such thing as you might. See, even the bunch in the tree, even this bunch is talking about over here. They have the test, even the blood of Christ applies there as well. That's where you get the doctrine that's being taught out there. Well, yeah, you're saved by grace through faith. Absolutely, amen. But you've got to keep, you've got to keep the law too. That's, this is where the doctrine comes from. Revelation. I've done heard it be t- being taught that way. And it just ain't true. It is for one bunch. Remember how we started off in chapter 1? Past, present, future. Remember about whosoever wills the elect. How many times has Paul got to tell you the elect are just as good as you're you're already there. He even says you're already there. Well, what about these folks here? I'm telling you, folks. I hinted at it the other night. When the time of the Paul talks about till the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When that period is over, there'll be a different age ushered in. Not the end of the world, the end of the age. Just like the age of Moses and everything, it was all by Levitical priesthood, all that stuff. Well, it was moved out and another age moved in. Well, guess what? This age is going to go away too. When? I don't have a clue. But I know some different principles are set up in the future than they are now. How do you know that, Brother Don? If you can't go back and read Matthew the Sermon on the Mount, and understand that, then you just don't understand. You you have no hope of understanding the Word of God. I tried to explain that when I taught you, Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. You think that I think I'm in danger of hellfire if I call you a fool? You think I would lose a minute of sleep about that? 
somebody's going to be in danger of hellfire when they call them a fool at different age, a different time period. Paul calls people fools. The Lord even does. You think he is in danger? That's why you have to reconcile the scriptures, folks. Just because it's written down and you read it doesn't mean it it's doctrinally applies to you. Well, I can get spiritual application out of calling no man a fool. You're not being nice. You ought to extend the spirit of you know the spirit of the Lord and love your brother as yourself. I know how to spiritualize it and make it applicable for us. What about calling somebody rocka rocka? You think that's you're in danger of the council? What council? You got a council going on out there that if you call a brother rocka rocka, you got to go deal with the council about it. You see, that kind of stuff has to be reconciled, or else you've got false doctrine. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. You reckon all the people in Harlem's going to see God? You reckon the Ubangis in Zimbabwe that run around naked? Do you reckon that poor in spirit? You reckon they're going to see God? Hmm? I imagine they, yeah, they're going to see Him. All right. I can just go on and on and on. It's not for this period of time, and if it's not for this, how you know it's not for this period of time? Because of all the rest of the scriptures, the epistles, and Peter, and John, and James. That's how you know. Contrary to these charlatan teachers out there trying to teach another age doctrine for you right now. It don't hold water. It puts you into bondage. And if you're free in Christ, you've been set free from all the bondage. Now you understand why they jump to allegory, don't you? They say it's an allegory. That way they can make it say anything they want to say. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to reconcile it. God giving me the wisdom and the spirit to understand. So when you come across, when you're using a blue crayon on the coloring book, when you're using a blue crayon, all blue goes in grace, Okay. Anything connected with mercy and grace and love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, and whosoever shall call, you put it blue, you, you, you color it with blue, all right, for that part of the picture. When you start hearing all this bondage stuff, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, you're in the rod on your head, you know, and hellfire, and you start hearing about these certain commandments that you've got to do, to be able to be in the presence of God, then you get out another color and you put it over here and start coloring this other little shape because it's got nothing to do with the little blue where the blue coloring goes, see. Nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely true. It's the word of God. God can't lie. It has to be for somebody. Somewhere at some time. And the Spirit of God will show you where it's at if you'll Pray and look for it and listen and read the scriptures and believe what you read. He sure ain't going to teach you where to take that color running to the Greek or Hebrew. He never has anybody. All it causes is what we're going to next. 
and that's confusion. The verses have to reconcile, or else you've got amalgamated Superman comic book. You can take it or leave it. And like I said a few programs back, if you ain't got the absolute truth, and you don't believe God's word is telling you that his words are correct and telling you exactly the truth, then there is no God, there's no nothing. Just go get drunk and have a good time and die like a dog. And I mean every word of that. Don't straddle the fence. Get out of Dodge. When a whole, when he has a whole eternity promised for his elect, that's just unspeakable, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, folks, you're going to run across verses like that not only in the Book of Revelation that make these statements, and you have to stop and think about it, and you have to. See who it's talking to. The period of time, there's a bunch of them. I just dealt with one or two. And if we were going through these churches, man, we're going to hit a bunch of them. Well, the greatest writer to the churches was the Apostle Paul. He's the one that founded them all, just about it. As a matter of fact, he founded every one of them you read about in the book of Revelation. So how are you going to find out what doctrine that they're supposed to be applied, is, is applicable to them. Now, how would you find it? He would go to his epistles and find it. He sure wouldn't go to Matthew or Mark or John. Well, John, that's a different story. We'll, get, we'll deal with that later. John had to, everything because he was the last apostle to die. That's why you won't find much contradictory doctrine in the book of John to what you read in the Pauline epistles. But you would go to the epistles to read about the churches that the man founded and wrote to. That's where you'd find. But there's some of the stuff you're going to read here as you go through this that makes absolutely no sense to what he said. You have to reconcile it, folks. It ain't all been reconciled yet. I hadn't reconciled it all. And there ain't nobody I know that has. Go to chapter 17, Brother David. Let's deal with something everybody knows about. Revelations, chapter 17. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's deal with Babylon. All right. I'm there. I think it's in 17, isn't it? I may be wrong. Mystery Babylon, yes? Yeah, that's it. Chapter Want 17. Let me start there. Um, I'm going to deal with the, the word Babylon. I, I mentioned it earlier, and I want to deal with it just a little bit more right now. Folks, this is what, in in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, this is what you have. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In biblical terms, you have Satan or Baal. You have an unholy spirit. And you even have a bride for the other side. You have the two opposites. And don't get come up with none of this dualism stuff, because that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But Babylon, all through the Word of God, 
the first time the word appears, remember what I taught you all about first uh, occurrence in hermeneutics? Isn't it amazing that the first place the word Babylon pops up in your Bible is almost is exactly one chapter later to where the word Jew first occurs? Did you know that? Second Kings chapter 16 is where the word Jew first occurs, and Second Kings chapter 17 is where the word Babylon first occurs. Definition of Babylon. Confusion. Confusion. The system of confusion. A system of confusion. Today you live in the in the mightiest, wickedest system. Babylon, the city of the whore. See, she has a city too. Just like we have a city. Ours is the New Jerusalem. Theirs is Babylon the Great. Christ has a bride. So does Satan. There's unholy spirit. Like frogs. We have a holy spirit. Type, countertype. Type, countertype. All through the word of God. Counterfeit saviors. Counterfeit gods. Little g gods. That's good. Little g gods. is bad. Divine counsel good. Divine counsel bad. So let's just deal with the one today. Just, just read chapter 17, brother. Let's deal with the way. The, like I said, the definition is confusion. And that's all you have today is confusion. Confusion of doctrine. Confusion of... And by the way, the, let's go English for a second. If you take the English word confusion and look at the first mention where it first occurs, you're going to be surprised. Real quick, Brother David, turn back to Leviticus chapter uh, 18 and read verse 26. This is the first place the word confusion occurs. Now, we know Babylon means confusion, but it's two different Hebrew words, so we're going to stick English. We're going to get to let the English reveal something to us that the Hebrew doesn't. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 26. This is the first place the word confusion comes up. I want you to watch what it's in reference to. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. I might For gave you the wrong ab- wait a second, brother, I might gave you the wrong reference. Um Shoot, I should have wrote it down. I'm going off of memory. Okay. Let me, uh, let's see, 20, <clears throat> 26, 18, 24, 18, um, shoot. Try 18, 26. 18, 23. Yeah. 18, How about yeah. that? 18, well, 23. Yeah, that'll work. And neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith, neither shall... Any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusion. Y'all got that? Isn't it strange that the system you live in today, the, the, the world system, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots is confusion. That's what, the, that's what it means in the Hebrew confusion. 
And the first time the English word appears has to do with sexual immorality. So you got confusion of race. That's what it's all about. The whole system is to completely amalgamate and destroy God's perfection and God's order. Everything's about disorder. Truth is falling in the street. There's no right. There's no wrong. It's all according to the individual today. So therefore, there's no such thing as absolute authority. And the very ones that name Jesus Christ out of their mouth do more to destroy absolute authority than even the infidels do. The infidels don't care. See, it's our it's some of our so called brothers and sisters that are that are absolutely destroying. They're fought their the spirit gets in them and they destroy with a good conscience and a good motive. And they think they're right, but they're wrong. And the fruits of it are all around you. And you can't deny it. You can Jew all day. The Jew did not change the Word of God. The Jew did not attack the Word of God. How do you like it? If you still had the absolute standard, nobody would be arguing with it. Everybody would know where to go to. Now everybody goes 5,000 different ways to where everybody's opinion is, oh, I know I'm right. That's my opinion. That's what I feel like. That's what I believe. See, here I go again. Here I go again. I'm, I said I wasn't going to do it. How important is it? See, it's like the brother that wrote the letter. One, he's heard all kind of crap from everybody else. You know where he wound up? He wound up with us. Because there was no spirit there. Could not, had, there, there, there's something didn't ring true. Folks, I get that kind of stuff all the time. I've even had some, I think, Brother David, did I get you to read that um, uh, uh, letter from the brother out in uh, Vancouver? Not Vancouver, but British Columbia. No. The new listener, I, did. I thought I had y'all read that letter. I'll pull it up. I'll have him read it later. The same thing, the brother from California, that the lawyer, the very same thing. The brother from Vancouver and his little group. The very same thing. I hear it all the time. Now, they're either lying and deceived. They're either lying and deceived, folks, or they're telling the truth and the Lord's trying to say something. This ain't got nothing to do with Brother Don. This has got to do with the book in front of me. It just so happens this is where that's where I landed. This is where God put me. I'm just fulfilling my calling. Whether my personality's bad or not, I got to do what I got to do for God. There's no repenting from it. I can't get out of it. It's my job. I love my Lord, therefore I'm going to do it. It's the problem is the book. The book divides. That's where the spirit works. With God's words. 
in email after email after telephone call after telephone call. I listened to this. I listened to that. I didn't get nothing. I got it there. And it ain't got nothing to do with me. It's the book. God honors his words. And the Spirit of God honors his words. And the Spirit, you know the Spirit, his Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm begging you, don't wind up in this confusion. Confusion erases. Confusion over truth. And it, that's what they want. The foot soldier Jews are behind. They're right in there with it. All the wicked pornography, all that stuff, the financial stuff. There's three arms to this thing, folks. Some of you still ain't quite convinced of that yet. But after as many threes as you've seen so far, can't you understand that there's three parts to this system? There's a religious arm, a financial arm, and a military arm, or political arm. And they're not hard to find if your eyes are open. See, if you can if you can get the other junk out of your mind for a second and realize there's more evil in the world than just the old foot soldiers of Satan, there's more than them. He has effect over everything. He's the God of this world, not the age, the world. That's why they try so hard to get rid of this book. That's why they get try so hard to badmouth the Apostle Paul. That's why they try so hard to denigrate this English book. And they don't even realize why they're doing it. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I believe some of them really think they love God. You think Peter loved God after all the mess he went through? You think after Pentecost, you think Peter loved the Lord? Then how come Paul had to rebuke him to his face? and call him out for being a hypocrite. After he had done got the Holy Spirit, after he had done everything and worked out, and he had done preached to thousands on the day of Pentecost. How come Paul had to call his hand on being a hypocrite in the book of Galatians and rebuke him to his face? Hmm? Folks, just because somebody's nice and sweet, and just because somebody gives you, tells you a bunch of, old Greekish and Hebrew, that don't mean squat. What means something is the book in the Spirit of God. That's what means something. They said Paul's speech was rude and contemptible. They said they couldn't stand Some of them couldn't stand him. Said he preached too long. He'd go all night sometimes. One guy got killed because of him. He had to go raise him from the dead. See, it's got nothing to do with the messenger, folks. Been telling you that for three years. It's about the message. 
and where the message comes from. That's where the truth's going to come from. Some you can play some records on a, a good record player that's not scratchy. Some of you folks don't even know what a record player is, probably. Okay. But you can play beautiful music on a bad record player, and it's still beautiful music, but it just don't sound good. If you get my drift. But it's still beautiful music. The truth will stand when the world's on fire, no matter who tells it. A jackass can deliver the truth. Did one time. The rocks can cry out if the Lord so chooses. He can't find a messenger. I'm telling you right now, and this this confusion part, this is a big deal. It's a con job and it's fusion. It mixes together. Confusion. You want to break the words down? You know what a con man is? You know what fusion is? And that's what you got everywhere. And the remnant, the very elect remnant, ought to, they ought to be more in love with Jesus Christ now than they ever have been in our history. And the sad fact of it is, they're hard to find, the ones that really love the Lord Jesus Christ. You run across, if you don't hear somebody always putting Jesus Christ on a pedestal, you better back away and get away from them as fast as you can unless you want to catch some of the heavy, heavy that's going to come on them. And I didn't, you didn't hear me say no off-the-wall Hebrew words and Greek words either. We speak English. That's the name that is above every name. But you better get away from them. I don't care if they got, they got, they've memorized 500 history books. I don't care if they know the political situation down to a T. It's almost all a lie anyway. Confusion. That's the big deal in the book of Revelation, this city. Read about it, Brother David. Just read the whole chapter. Okay. I'll start at verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. You remember and what the, the woman... Lord, wait, 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 just a minute. Let me bring back to you. Remember where the word confusion first occurred? Wasn't it with a woman and a beast, Brother David? Yes. Thank you. Just thought I was Leviticus 18.23. That's the right. The woman and the beast. There you go. And it was in the angels. You got that revelation, folks. You didn't get it out of Hebrew. Okay? Just thought I'd throw that into you. Go ahead, Brother David. Having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You know what's written on our forehead? 
You know, there's somebody else that's got some stuff written on their forehead, too. See the type anti-type thing? Go ahead, brother. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. We'll get all that whenever we do go through this book, the complete book of Revelation. We'll have two readers. One will be in Daniel. And we'll cross-reference. We'll go back and forth from Daniel to the book of Revelation, from Daniel, because every bit of this is in the book of, in the book of Daniel. Go ahead, brother. The beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. Y'all remember who the son of perdition, you know what Judas was called? You remember what what the Lord said he was? The son of perdition. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Go ahead. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder... (coughs) whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Y'all got that? Their wonder, whose names were not written. They wonder. They love it. They love this thing. They love this system. Love not the world, neither the things that are... I'm, man, I'm saying I'll get to preaching again. Now, you, you, if you, see, if you remember this stuff... You can tie it together. You'll never remember it if you don't hide it in your heart. You don't spend time in it, folks. Continue on, David. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Do what? Please read that again, brother. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. There you go. Remember what the Lord, all the way in the first chapter, remember that three-part thing I said? And see, don't I know what the historicist is going to teach. They're going to teach you that the Roman church got destroyed and was put down, and then that was the death, and then it came back in the late 19th. I know what they teach, folks. I can teach it myself, but it just, it, it, and it is, that part of it is possibly true. But that does not mean that the future part is really an individual person. Because it seems like to me it was an individual person that was nailed on the tree for your sins and mine. It seems like to me that in Thessalonians he's called the man of sin. It seems like to me in Zechariah 14 he's called the idle shepherd. It can mean both. This is what I'm trying to show you. It's not that they're all wrong. It's just they can be half right and the rest is coming later because you got three things, three, three, past, present, future. Brother David said it wonderfully a while ago in his little explanation about that. It keeps on keeping on. Isn't that what you said, Brother David? It was keeping on, keeping on, something like that. Marching on. Marching on. And and God plainly tells you that he requires that which is past. And there's nothing new under the sun, folks. Continue on, brother. 
And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. He. That's masculine, yeah. And goeth into perdition. Hmm. Like I said, it's all in Daniel. That last one is a little horn. It's all in Daniel. And I know that they, they people try to make this Antiochus Epiphanes and all this stuff, they try to put all the way. Do you know why, you know, and with good intention, and like I said, it's possibly that it is a type of what is to come. See, that's what typology is. Antiochus Epiphanes absolutely was a type of the end time. What he did was absolutely a picture of what's coming, except not as bad as it's going to be in the future. Now, how do I know this? How can I be so sure that I'm right? See, because I can't holler at them and badmouth them for claiming and slamming down their fist and saying they're right. And how could I say that? How can I know for sure I'm right? Well, I'll just give you the Word of God, okay? I'll tell you what the Lord said, and if that doesn't do it for you, then you got problems. During this period of time, there's going to be a period like never has been since creation nor ever shall be ever again. We have never experienced that yet. That's how I know that this is for future. And how many times? Daniel says it, and so does the Lord in Matthew. That's how I know I'm right. And it's not me right, the Word of God's right. Is that so hard to understand, Brother David? Not at all, Pastor Dunn. I, I, I just, it never ceases to amaze me why people, I, I say that all the time like I'm an idiot, which I probably am, but I just believe what it says. I know how a, you're supposed to have a childlike faith, and children believe that they can jump off the table in their daddy's arms, and he won't drop them. Kids believe in imaginary rabbits and stuff like that. Talk to them. Stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Childlike faith. There ain't much difference in believing in imaginary rabbits. Well, I'm not going to go that far. I was fixing to kind of get kind of weird on you. But go ahead, Brother David. Keep on reading. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Okay, now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 2, and I'm going to show you these ten kings, and we're going to go ahead and shut her down for night. Kevin's got to work tomorrow, and I know there's some more folks got to work tomorrow. There's just a few little points out of here. We'll deal with it again Friday night. And if you folks have got any questions about this, about any two, the 22 chapters here, specific questions about certain subjects, ask me. Friday is coming Friday night. I'm going to show you who the ten kings are here. I'm going to show you the peculiar quality about them, why it's imperative you get this, 
and then we're going to run real quick to Revelation 22:14, and I'll show you why I know that you have to reconcile them verses I was so screaming and adamant about earlier. Okay? It's right there in front of everybody's face. You just got to believe what you read. All right, Brother David, go down to right verse 42 in Daniel chapter 2. Okay. Let's read about these ten, this ten toad, these ten toads, which are the ten kings, okay? And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. These ten kings are not human. These ten kings, these are hybrids. You better get it, folks, because you're living in the hybrid age. Do you think that, can't you look around? Everything's hybrid. It's stuck right in your face. Brother David picked it up a long time ago and has ran with it and has done some excellent research. Brother Kevin has the same way. That is your end time. That's the la- that's the bottom of the feet. That's the ten toes. These kings that it talks about in Revelation, they're not human, folks. They may be here now. Read that again in Daniel, brother, in, about how the seed and the man and one. Anyway, go ahead and read it. Okay. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. There, every expositor in the world tried to get around that one verse right there, folks. Okay? They've tried to search out. They, they've tried to find some way around it, but you can't. There is no way around it. The seed of men means exactly what it says. So if it's not the seed of men, what is it the seed of? Huh? You remember the Lord said, as it was in the days of Noah, there was some seed mixing in, wouldn't there, Brother David? Yes, there certainly was. And that's exactly the way it's going to be in the very end. At the time period, it's going to be worse than it ever has been since creation, nor ever shall be again. Now quickly turn to Revelation twenty-two fourteen, and I'll show you how I know that those verses we read earlier cannot be for us. Cannot be for us in this age. They have to be for somebody else. And it's staring you right in the face. We went over it before. You might have missed it then. Maybe the Holy Spirit will show it to you this time. Just start reading it, Revelation twenty-two fourteen to the end of the chapter, and I'll stop you when you get to the pertinent point. You know where we're going, I believe, brother. Okay. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That city is New Jerusalem. Guess who is already in the city? Let's listen. Go ahead, brother. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Watch it now. I am. 
Go ahead. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. What? The bride. The bride's already in. Everybody else on that side. The bride got in through grace, through faith. This other bunch from that period of time has to get in through all the commandments, all the things that's laid out on the Sermon on the Mount, and during that age, all the rocka rocka calling fool, poor this, that, and the other, do the poor, all that stuff. That's how they get in. We're already in. You're, that's what he's Ted just got through telling you. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Keep on, brother, and watch it. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Folks, the bride is in the New Jerusalem. There, everything else is outside. And that's where your verses go. The bride is the elect remnant that Paul talks about, that's mentioned throughout the epistles. It's the remnant of God. It's the remnant elect. The elect according to the remnant of grace. And that's a special thing. And there's other groups, and the other groups will be mentioned. One, our works are go. Our works go with us immediately. Some people die, and their works follow them later. Brother David read it; it's right there in chapter fourteen. That's not us. That ain't us. That just ain't us. You don't keep adding to a bride. The bride is complete. I ought to go on and go back to the marriage supper in in Matthew twenty-five about the virgins and show you there's a split difference. You remember the virgins whose lamps was lit and the ones that didn't have any oil, how they got left. They didn't lose their salvation. There wasn't no salvation there, but they didn't go in with the bride. Have y'all forgot about that? They're all virgins, but they didn't get in with the other group. Remember the 12 virgins, Brother David? Yes, I do. Folks, you've got rightly to buy this book. Study to show yourself approved unto God. He's the one, he's going to be the rewarder and everything. He's going to be the one that deals out the, the, the sorrow and the suffering shame, suffering loss. Get that heart right. Keep that fellowship right. Keep the motive right. You don't have to be genius and figure out all this stuff. 
Just what you do, understand, love him, serve him, do what's right. That's simple stuff what's important. All this deep, dark doctrine, it ain't going to make a hill of beans in the end anyway. It's going to come to pass, whether we're right or wrong. About the conclusions we come to on this deep, dark stuff. But that simple stuff, there is no excuse. Those simple, those simple pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Do good unto all men, but especially those that are of the household of God. Remember the household last night? That remnant? The elect? Remember that? Godliness profiteth not only in this life, but also in that which is to come. Let no man render evil for evil. See? The commandments, all those commandments, all that's the simple stuff. You know why people tend to love to like me and every, most everybody else run to Revelation first because it's so mysterious and you know it's so much so many questions to be asked about it. Nothing rock solid. Everything I just quoted to you is rock solid. It's sound doctrine. It cannot be spoken against. Therefore, there are no excuses why you shouldn't apply yourself daily to obedience to those simple commands. Brother David, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, we give thanks for this word tonight. And I pray that this word continue to work in our heart and minds as we sleep and throughout the week. And I pray that you use this as jumping off point for us as individuals, that you show us deeper and more thoroughly these things that we've spoken of tonight. And I pray that these words dwell in us and act like that two-edged sword that you want it to be and that you will continue to will and to work in us with that word for your good pleasure, Father. And I pray for all those tonight who are feeling pain in their bodies or have sickness and disease, Lord, I pray that they would be comforted. I pray that they would be healed. I pray that the healing balm of the Lord Jesus Christ touch them now and that the pain be gone. And I pray those that have financial needs, Father, tonight, I pray that you'd show them how that need can be met. I pray that you provide for them that which they require, whether it's physical or spiritual or an anguish in their soul, that they're crying out to you for an answer, for a message for the answer to a problem, or if they're crying out to you for salvation, whatever the need, Father, by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, I pray that all the needs are met. For those who are here listening to the sound of my voice, I pray that this be the case. And I pray for downloaders that they would have a shadow of this prayer answered in their life as well, not to the same level because they're not here to receive it. But I pray that you work in them and meet their needs as you see fit. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Amen. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Brother David? No. Okay. That was very interesting. And it, folks, listen. 
Yes, Kevin's got. Some. What are we doing Friday? We're we're gonna pick, we're gonna do some more in Revelation, brother. And I, I um, we just put part two, and uh, we'll deal with a few more topics in the in the book of Revelation, and then we're going to uh, finish out Luke Sunday, Lord willing. Gotcha. Okay, and folks, let me tell you something. You downloaders, or any of you in the chat room, you say there's no way I can understand that book. There's no way I can understand. You can understand. Pray without ceasing. Find you somebody and pray for them 30 minutes. And go to God with fervent prayer. You can pray, can't you? You don't have to understand all this deep stuff. That's the reason I, would, I, would, I said what I said a while ago and quoted all those commandments to do for the body of Christ. You can do there's all kind of things you can do. Don't dwell on what you can't do. Don't dwell on what you can't handle. Dwell on what you can. Then the Lord will give you more. If he sees fit, the Spirit of God will open up your eyes to more. But he that is faithful in least, folks, you see you know what the you know what the Lord said about that? You gotta be faithful in that which is least to get that which is much. Some of you couldn't pray five minutes. Ain't never prayed five minutes. Get you a list. Go with it. People that ask for prayer, make a point to put them on the prayer list. Lend a helping hand to your brothers and sisters. The direct command. Hey, anybody can give. Give like you're supposed to. God loveth that you want God to love you. He don't, it doesn't say God loveth the knowledgeable, puffed-up idiot like me. He loves a cheerful giver. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be. You don't have to read the Bible from cover to cover every day. What you do understand, apply it in your life, and be a blessing to someone. You're a member of the body. The body is is dependent upon one another. And yes, it's that simple. Try it. Try it sometime. You'll be surprised. Lord won't he's sitting back wanting to do for you. But under certain and certain circumstances you have to do some things yourself. He's not gonna pick up your foot and set it down for you. But once you pick it up, he'll give you the strength to Go ahead and pick up the next one. You know, the world's always got sayings to try to be spiritual. You know, the Lord helps them to help themselves. Well, that's a half-truth. Okay? Think about these things. Pray about these things. And Lord willing and help permitting, we will see you guys this coming Friday night. Brother David? Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number is 334 334- Three nine seven two three three three. The email address is joydon one nine five three at yahoo dot com. Mailing address three one five five Louisville Street, apartment D, as in Don D one, Clio, Alabama, C L I O, Clio, Alabama. Three six zero one seven, three six zero one seven.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Brother David. Great job. Did a good job tonight, Thank brother. You. I appreciate it very much. Good job, Brother Kevin. Appreciate you guys being there in the chat room. God bless each and every one of you. And Lord willing, we'll see you this coming Friday night. Good night, Brother David. Brother Kevin. Good night, Pastor Don. No.